Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com. It's a sweet memory to think back to the day the Lord touched you. I know it's a sweet memory for myself. When you hear that song, it's hard not to uh, let your mind go back to that day. And In fact, I would encourage you to think back to that day, that moment when the Lord touched you. And of course, speaking of the moment you were saved and made alive in Christ, that God gave you the second birth that is necessary for us to enter into eternal life. And uh, I'm thankful for that day. As I shared Wednesday night, it, this past Wednesday night, I was saved on a Wednesday night um, in 2009. I believe I was nine years old. And I'm thankful for that day. Thankful for the um, confidence I have in what Christ did for me and um, the assurance I have in my salvation and that I can rest confidently in my Savior this morning, and I'm grateful, and I'm thankful for His truth, for His Word. And uh, I wanted to say, too, I appreciate all, with the, the video from our, our kids' camp, I want to say I appreciate all that Pastor James does, Miss Allison, um, for our youth and all the investments they make. As Miss Heather mentioned, they've had a, uh, me and James was talking, I guess, yesterday, and they've been home about three or four days, maybe it was five days in the past, like, three weeks. And and uh, so I just appreciate all they do for the church and ministering and uh, their heart to serve others and all they do for our youth. And uh, I know that uh, God will add fruit to their, uh, give increase to their labors, and I'm thankful for that. And I appreciate all that they do and everything James does for the church as a whole and especially, especially our youth. Um, but this morning, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Galatians, if you will. Uh, we'll continue our study there. In Galatians, we are in chapter... Chapter number two this morning. And I'm going to, I have a PowerPoint that's going to be accompanying the message this morning. And this is the, my first time preaching with, with that aid and, and uh, just to share with you my heart behind it. I'm doing that to, and I provided those scripture notebooks, which if you wasn't here last week or don't have one and decide you want one, there's a few out there on the Welcome Center table and the point of all this is I want to make the preaching hour as beneficial to you as possible if you're a note taker I want to provide you a way to take notes if you're a visual person maybe this will help you and uh, of course you'll be hearing me so trying to trying to make the message as beneficial as possible provide as much takeaway as possible and uh, two it's an accountability thing for me because I've realized if I can't um, if I can't be precise in my thoughts enough to give to put together a slideshow then I probably don't understand the text as well as I should and so doing this is also an accountability for me to, to not be negligent or lazy in my study. So that's, that's the heart behind it. And if you don't take notes, if you don't look at it, and you have no obligation to it. Uh, but for those that might be beneficial to, that's, that's what it's there for. And uh, so I wanted to, to share that with you. Um, but in Galatians chapter number 2 is where our text will be from. If you want to stand with me this morning in honor and reference to the word of the Lord. The Bible says this, Then fourteen years after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also, and I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And that, because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privately to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we gave place by subjection. No, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But of these who seem to be somewhat, whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me. God accepteth no man's person. 
For they who seemed to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. But contrariwise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter, for he that worketh effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen, and they unto the circumcision. Only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I also was forward to do. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word this morning. God, thank you for the service up to this point. Thank you for our choir and the songs they've sung. Lord, the truth that, that is within those songs and God, I pray now for this time of study, Lord, you'd help our attention to be on you. And, and God, our heart, not just our ears, but our heart would hear the voice of God speak. And Lord, help me to preach in a way that it truly is your voice speaking. God, help me to stay true to the text. And God, preach your word and nothing else, nothing short of that. And certainly, God, I can't preach nothing more than that. God, help me to preach your word accurately. And God, I pray that it would be accompanied by the power of God. Lord, I can provide all the aids I want to, God. I can provide all the, uh, the, the, the supplements that I possibly can. But God, without the power of the Spirit of God, no lives will be changed. And God, nothing will be done in our hearts. And, and God, I pray that you'd help this time to be more beneficial than that. And God, that's something we must look to you for. Because God, I can't do that. I don't have a, a power in speaking. I don't have a great ability to do those things. But God, your power does. And God, we look to that this morning. We depend upon you. During this time, God, pray that the Son of God would be lifted up and exalted, Lord, and we'd see him for all he's worth, God. And Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you for first loving us. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Thank you for standing this morning. Uh, influences, influences are powerful. The churches of Galatia know this as well as anyone. And Paul's faithfulness to Jesus led him into the area preaching the message that Jesus had given him. And many there believed in the message that Paul preached Many of the people there in Galatia put their faith in Christ and they rejoiced in their salvation that comes through Christ and by faith alone. And, and they rejoiced in that. They believed that Christ was crucified, buried, and then was, risen, was rose again for them. They believed that Jesus, according to chapter number 1 and verse number 4, which I love to allude to as we've studied through this, because, man, what a powerful description of the gospel, that Christ gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. That's, that's what the, Galatia, the believers in Galatia believed initially. But unfortunately, the spiritual growth of those believers in Galatia was interrupted. People came into the area preaching another gospel. And Paul defines that, and Paul explains that in chapter number 1, as we well know. The believers, they were not able to identify this error, error of what they were hearing and then reject it. They were troubled. Remember in verse chapter number 1, we mentioned that, that they were troubled by these false teachers, meaning they were disturbed, or the pictures given, they were shaken back and forth. And that's what had happened to these believers. They'd been disturbed, and in that process, they gave up the gospel of Jesus Christ and began to follow this works-based salvation that these false teachers were spreading. And so ultimately, the believers in Galatia had been deceived. They had been led astray. They had deserted the true gospel for a false gospel, a false message of hope. And Paul, being the spiritual leader that he was, could not let that stand. Paul could not just let that go on. He cared for these believers in Galatia. He cared most of all for the gospel and the purity of it. And he cared most of all for the task, the commission that Christ had given him as an apostle. So he couldn't just let this go unaddressed. And that's why he's writing 
the book of Galatians. And Paul has the task of removing now all doubt in the minds of these believers about the gospel of Jesus. Paul had to get them back to the true gospel because as chapter number 1 tells us, they had been moved, they had, been, they had deserted the true gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now Paul's purpose is to bring them back, to, to help their faith to rest confidently in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one method he used to do that, as we found in chapter number 1, is to remind them he didn't get his message from any particular man. He wasn't taught it by men. That day in this referred to in Acts where Paul was converted on the way to Damascus, the Lord, he met the gospel. He didn't just hear about the gospel. He met the gospel. The Lord appeared to him and Paul reminds them, takes them back to that day, says, this is where I got my message from. This is where I got my commission from. But Paul's not finished with his argument. Paul's not finished with helping these believers understand that they can rest confidently in the gospel. He wants to continue building the validity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul, they, the believers in Galatia could be certain that Paul was not deceiving them. And you know, you and I live in a world that is also, also full of negative influences towards the gospel. That's what Paul is facing. These false teachers are coming in and they're saying it's, it's more than just Jesus. It's Jesus, that's good, that's a good aspect, but you have to be circumcised or you can't truly be saved. And while we may not experience the same type of false gospel, we have many false gospels in our day. We have many false messages of hope. We live in a day that is just, quite frankly, antagonistic to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We live in a day of apostasy. We live in a day, as the Bible tells us, would happen a day where the world is, in general terms, falling away. We constantly seem to turn our back on God and His Word more and more as a society. And in all that, it can become, it can be hard to stay Stay true. You can begin to plant seeds of doubt as all the world likes to paint off our faith as mythological. As I was listening to a video this past week of a, of a lady who was responding to the fact that Roe versus Wade had been overturned and just making a mockery out of the Word of God and making a mockery out of the truth in which it shares. And that's the spirit and that's the attitude of our world in a lot of different ways and in a lot of different people. And I say all that to say a lot of times these negative influences can come in and begin to uh, influence us negatively just like this influenced these believers in Galatia. But through the passage of Scripture that we are studying, you and I can come to the place of having the full assurance in the gospel of Jesus Christ and that it is true, it is real, and it is in fact your only hope. The world may make fun of you for believing it. The world may belittle you for putting your faith in the gospel in a book that was written thousands of years ago. The world may make fun of you and all that. But in the, midst of, in the midst of that situation, in the midst of the world in which you and I live, we can look all those negative influences in the, faith, in the face and declare our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and be certain and be sure in what the gospel teaches you and I. It's the same thing Paul's having to do for the believers in Galatia. Help them to know they can rest confidently in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you and I as believers 2,000 years later can still rest confidently in the gospel of Christ. Through the same arguments, if you will, that Paul presents to the believers in Galatia. So look with me first of all in verse number 1. What, what does Paul assure them of beyond the fact that his gospel had come from Jesus Christ himself? But he also says this, 14 years after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. 
Now the 14 years that Paul's alluding to, commentators went back and forth on whether he's alluding to 14 years after he was converted or 14 years after his initial trip to Jerusalem, which he refers to in chapter 1 and verse number 17. But regardless, we know he's going to Jerusalem, and we know he's going there with Barnabas, and he's got his friend Titus with him also. He also tells us that he's going by revelation. Some of the false teachers were saying that Paul was likely, maybe he went to Jerusalem because those, those apostles were calling him to answer for what he's been preaching. In other words, they had heard what he's preaching, they didn't agree with it, and they're calling him or summoning him to Jerusalem to confront him. But Paul assures the believers in Galatia that's not why he went to Jerusalem. He went to Jerusalem by some kind of revelation that God had given him that he needed to go there. And when he went, he communicated unto them that gospel that he preached. The message he had been preaching in the areas he had been. He shared that with, the Bible says, those of reputation in Jerusalem. And he did so privately. So meaning he took likely James, Peter, and John, and he, he went with them somewhere privately, and he explained to them, he shared with them, he communicated the gospel that he had been preaching. Paul did what you and I should do. Paul communicated the gospel. Because Paul didn't want to be running in vain. Paul didn't want to be wasting his time. And Paul wasn't worried that he was preaching a false gospel. What Paul means is, is if Paul's over here preaching salvations in Christ alone, he didn't want the Jerusalem church and the leaders there coming through everywhere he goes and then preaching to everybody that you got to be, you got to put your faith in Christ, but you also need to be circumcised or you also need to do this. All that would have meant Paul's running in vain and wasting his time because all these other people were coming in behind him and uprooting the believers in which he was seeking to lead to Christ. And Paul says, I didn't want to be wasting my time. I didn't want to be running in vain. And the purpose for all this was so the he wanted the church to be in harmony and unity. And what is, what is the report that these believers gave? This is why I say his gospel was evaluated. He says in verse number 6, look with me. He says, but of these who seem to be somewhat, and that reads kind of, confusing to me, but what he's saying is, but of those who seem to be of reputation, those that seem to be of, those that were respected in Jerusalem, the church leaders, he makes the note of parentheses that whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me, for God accepteth no man's person. Meaning that they were, he didn't see them as some kind of special individuals, they were, were all level in the sight of God. But he says, they who seem to be somewhat, at the end of verse number six, in conference, they added nothing to me. So when Paul's gospel was evaluated, he went to the leaders, those that had handled the word of life, those that had walked with Jesus, those that heard Jesus speak, those that would have witnessed his resurrection. He went to them. He shared with them the message he had been preaching. And they didn't ridicule Paul. They didn't write Paul off as a blasphemer. They didn't tell Paul, look, your message is not right. Your message is not true. They didn't say, Paul, I hear your message and it's good, it sounds great, but listen, make sure you do this. Add this to your message. They didn't do any of that. After evaluation, the early apostles, that what verse number 8 defines as the pillars, or rather verse number 9 as the pillars of the church, after they heard the message of Paul, they added nothing to it. They saw nothing wrong with his message. And remember, these are men of reputation. These are men highly regarded and highly respected. And they told Paul that his message was pure, his message was true. 
And that helps you and I to know that the validity of the gospel. If there was a problem with Paul's message, then they would have pointed that out. They, they love Christ. We read the letters, the epistles of Peter. We, we know John. We know he was concerned with people believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we read his letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. We, we know the heart of these men, and they would not have allowed Paul to continue preaching a, an erroneous message. They added nothing to him. They didn't say, look, we hear that you're preaching salvation by faith alone, but do this and do that. They added nothing to it after the evaluation. But also in verses 3 through 10, he had, Paul had the support of the early church. Paul, in between defining his evaluation and in between explaining what they told him, he gives us this note in verse number 3. Neither Titus who was with me. And it's easy to see why Paul includes this note. He says he was a Greek, he was, he, meaning he's, he wasn't circumcised. He hadn't been taught to follow Judaism. He hadn't been taught all the rituals and all the regulations. So he had never been circumcised. And the Bible tells us that he was not compelled to. Those early church leaders, those pillars of the church, didn't say, Titus, we see your faith, we understand your testimony, but you've never been circumcised, so you can't truly be saved. You can't truly be a Christian. That's not what, was, what took place. They, he, Paul tells us they were not compelled, or Titus was not compelled. He was not urged. He was not made to be circumcised. If that was a requirement of our faith, then certainly those believers in Jerusalem would have made him be circumcised. But they didn't. And Paul says the only reason this was an issue is because in verse number 4, because false brethren, unawares brought in, meaning they, they secretly, they snuck their way in and that word false brethren, somebody, I guess putting it in our terminology, said these were pretend Christians. These individuals, they came in just simply to spy out the liberty that these believers had in Christ. Their whole purpose was they wanted to come into the church and they wanted to, they were just, they had no, no love for Christ, no devotion to Christ. They didn't care about any of that. They just wanted to see the church operate. They wanted to see the liberty that they had, I guess, catch them not staying true to Judaism, catch them not telling others to be circumcised, and they wanted to then ridicule the church and then use that to attack the church. They had no devotion, no love for Christ. They came in to spy out the liberty that they had in Jesus. That's the only reason they were there, and that's where this false doctrine is coming from. Individuals like this, false brethren, pretend Christians that have snuck their way into the church, something we must be aware of, something we must be alert to is pretend Christians. And Paul defines these false Christians as trying to bring us back into bondage. What the Bible talks about in our liberty in Christ, meaning that when Christ, in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, and in the salvation we have in the Lord Jesus, we're not under the regulations and the requirements of the law. Meaning our salvation is not Christ and this or that and staying away from this or that and add this or that or do this or that. That's not, our, that's, that's not salvation. Paul says these believers wanted to come in and they wanted to bring us back under that bondage. But Christ's salvation sets us free. It's, we have that liberty in Him. And in our day, you're not, you've probably never heard anything along the lines of you need to be saved or you need to put your faith in Christ and you need to be circumcised. That's not the kind of false gospel that we experience. But you probably 
have experienced similar ideas that the believers in Galatia experienced. Meaning, maybe it's not even directly said, but subtle things that make you think salvation is putting your faith in Christ and dressing a certain way. That's not salvation. That's adding regulations and, and requirements to salvation that are not biblical, that are not true. You have liberty in Christ today to where some of you's wearing what I call golf shirts, some of you's got button-up shirts on, some of you's wearing a tie, some of you's not wearing a tie. And you're not bound by regulation. You're not so for me to say for you to be truly a Christian, for you to be truly a saved, and if you ever wear a pair of shorts, then that just don't line up. That's a requirement, that's a regulation added to the gospel that is that is a false gospel. That's not the truth. That's a requirement that people add on. It might be that you have to put your faith in Christ and carry a certain Bible translation. That's a requirement. That's a regulation that men have added to the gospel. And that is not the true gospel. That's another gospel, as Paul would define it. We understand that our liberty in Christ is not a license to sin, but it is important that you and I understand this idea of liberty. That salvation is not put your faith in Christ and then you need to do this or you need to do that. True salvation is not found in, in those things. Our salvation is in Christ and in Him alone. All those things are people trying to bring us into bondage where Christ has set us free. There, is no, there are no extra additions that need to be made. As one commentary said, we must guard our freedom from the law and from those false believers who would hinder God's grace with endless requirements. It goes on to say, we normally think of taking a stand against those who might lead us into immoral behavior. But Paul had to take a stand against the most moral people. I found that interesting. These, these people he's taking a stand against, they weren't you know, encouraging wicked and, and vile behavior. But it still was not a true gospel. And there's a lot of things that sound good and don't sound like people encouraging behavior that's not bad, that's not wicked and vile in itself. It sounds good, but it's important we understand the gospel that it's in Christ and in Christ alone. Now, you may, you may have these other things in your life that you appreciate, that you value, but they cannot be requirements that we attach to salvation. We have liberty in Christ. But also, finally this morning... Paul's gospel was accompanied by the power of God. As these believers supported Paul, he says in verse number 7, they saw that, they saw that how Christ had entrusted the gospel of the uncircumcision to Paul. What he's meaning is not that there was two gospels, but that they could, t- they could see that, that, that God had commissioned Peter specifically to go and testify and witness to those that were of Jewish descent, whereas Paul was commissioned and sent to the Gentiles, and the early church recognized that. In fact, in verse number 9, they gave Paul the right hand of fellowship, meaning they, they united with him. They identified with Paul. But he says in verse number 8 that he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. 
meaning that, that the church could see that God was working through Peter. When Peter preached, sometimes there were thousands saved. I mean, there's miracles that were performed through Peter. It was evident that God was using Peter. Nobody could argue that. And what Paul was saying is that same power, that same one who was working through Peter and making his ministry and his, his, the truthfulness of what he was sharing so evident was also at work in him and using him. Great things were happening through Paul as well. People were being saved and God's power was being manifested in him. It was clear that God was behind everything that Paul was preaching. God verified the message of Paul and was clearly pleased with what he was preaching. And what more confidence could you and I need that to hold to the, the validity and the truthfulness of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the fact that God has put his seal of approval on it. All the miracles you read about in Acts, that's God testifying to the truth of the message they were sharing. So I assure you this morning, you and I are always, always moving away or we would always are always wrong for moving away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're never, never progressing in a positive or a correct way when we began to move away from Jesus. You know, we live in a day of progression. We live in a day where archaic things seem to be written off quicker and quicker, and we want to move to the next thing. We want to go to the next new thing. Well, I promise you, anytime we try to do that with the gospel, we're moving in the wrong direction. The gospel is Christ. He is the only way. And Paul is doing everything he can to help these readers see that and help them move back to that pure, true gospel where they have been moved to another one. He reminds us that his message has been evaluated and in past inspection from the pillars of the early church. He had their support. And maybe most importantly, he had the power of God on him. So be certain this morning, you and I can rest confidently in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your faith is not in the wrong place when it's in Him. I ask you if you would to stand with me this morning and Miss Heather can come around if she will and, and uh, Miss Tamara and uh, prepare a song of invitation. Listen, if you've never trusted this gospel, if you've never put your faith in this gospel, I want you to know this morning it's true and it's factual. It's not just hearsay. It's not just something that's, that's comforting. It's, it's not just something that man has dreamed up to help us through difficult times. But listen, it is truth. That Christ came as the perfect Son of God, was born of the Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life, and then died for you. As verse number 4 says in chapter 1, He gave Himself for you. And if you've never been saved this morning, it's the true gospel. There is no other way. You can put your faith in Him, and you can be born again. Rest in the validity of the gospel. And if you're here this morning and you've been saved, then rest confidently in that. Rest confidently in knowing that the gospel is true, that your hope is not misplaced when you put it in Christ. And be more, may we be more emboldened and confident to share the gospel of Jesus Christ knowing it's the true gospel. If God has dealt with your heart this morning in any way and you feel the need to respond to Him, I'll encourage you to do so. As they sing and Miss Heather leads us, you be obedient to whatever the Lord might have you to do this morning. Thank you for listening. Please remember to drop a rating and subscribe to get our latest audio.